0: morning, y'all. How are you? I love my job. I hope y'all love your job, too. I know some of you don't, so that may have been a buzzkill, what I just said. But I'm just letting you know, I really, I really, really, really love being your pastor. I really love being one of the elders here. And there's church, those of y'all that are new... Um, pretty conservative church theologically. In fact, we're very conservative theologically. Socially, we're a little bit more liberal. We wear flip-flops, a lot of us have tattoos. We don't listen to all Christian music because not all Christian music is good. We enjoy a glass of wine, we like to laugh and giggle. Um, We do all those things, but we're about Jesus. We love Jesus. We're not gonna compromise what his word says. It's the most, it's the favorite part of my week to study Because uh, as a pastor, I've been doing this for close to 20 years now, preaching, and I can see any scripture and I can automatically go, I see the points, I know the joke, I can tell, yada, yada, do that. But then you get into the word and the Holy Spirit will say, this is what you're going to say here's where you're gonna go with this. And this passage was one of those. So we're gonna be in Acts 15. We covered one verse last week. Verse one, I'll go over that for a little bit and then we'll go right back into one through 29, maybe probably just one through maybe 21. I'd say 21, that was a misprint on my part. Here's the big question up front I will ask you. Are we arguing to be right or disagreeing, or debating, or whatever you want to call it, are we we going up against somebody's different opinion because we just want to be right, or are we willing to listen? The premise I would give you why listening is so important is not to compromise or filter what we know to be the true Word of God, but if you're going to get to the space in this day and age to talk to non-believers, you must listen first you must listen and some of y'all even to that statement right there said i know you don't know are you to see more people come to christ in front of you you don't know a lot of us me included uh, we come from a place of like, if you know the truth, the truth sets you free, right? And if you know Jesus, then you know God. And if you know God the Father, then you know the one true God. And because of that, sometimes it will put us in a place of since we know, everybody needs to listen. Well, maybe, maybe, on, maybe they do need to listen. But how are we going to get them to the place where they can listen? And what scripture says, it's going to be through kindness. It's going to be through love. It's going to be works which don't save us, but do define us. It's going to be on on, on things with no strings attached, just care. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a heads up on that. As you seek to love non-believers, they're not going to believe you when you do it. They're going to wonder what's wrong with you. They're going to wonder what's the ulterior reasoning What's the interior reason? Why are you doing this thing? What are you trying to get from me? You're trying to say a prayer. You're in a cult, whatever. Uh, What wins in that situation, just like in a marriage when you have difficulty, somebody asked me this morning, like, well, when you're arguing over this, I don't know what to do. The answer in most arguments is, it only takes one person to stop. And when it comes to loving somebody, just be consistent Love and serve and love and serve and love and serve and love and serve. And it has a way of just washing away a multitude of sins and washing away a multitude of fears and washing away a multitude of no's toward people like, okay, like I'm not a Christian, but something you have is legit and I want to know about it. Talk to me like... I know you and your husband have issues. You and your wife are normal people, but y'all—it seems like y'all really love each other. It seems like your friends still like. I see y'all. You still joke around. Um, it seems like you you discipline your kids, but it seems like they really care for you in return. How do you do that? These are the ways of Jesus. And if you and I are arguing just to be heard politically, socially, morally, with the neighbors in the trash cans, whatever, then you're missing a great opportunity to be caring and loving in the name of Jesus, which earns you the right a lot of times to talk about the truth, and the truth sets you free. That's what we want to do. So let's pray, and we'll see how Paul and Barnabas went up against a pretty big argument in the church. And it was a huge one. Like what they're coming up against is heresy. It's lie, it's demonic, it's wrong. And so why, why didn't they just wipe the, the wrong people off the planet? Well, they, they chose to listen to them and it's pretty cool what happens. Let's pray. Lord, uh, speak to us as only you can. Thanks for allowing us to sing. Thanks for allowing a lot of us just to be here right now. We come from issues and problems and uh, some of us uh, people, right? We were in arguments on the way here. That's the truth. Maybe we have an issue with our kids in the other room or upstairs in youth right now. Uh, life is complicated, but you get it because you're the creator. And so we just, we lift up our hearts and minds to you right now and we ask, Lord, that you would uncomplicate our capacity to hear you and you alone. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill up this space, that it would just. We, that we can just, we can feel your presence. We rebuke and stand against the enemy. No, 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 no demonic voice, no uh, demonic sin. No, none of that has, has way here. The body of Christ is gathered. Lord, we ask your presence and we command in the name of Jesus, the risen savior, for all of that to leave. This is a holy place because your church is here. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen hear the word of God first 1 part 30 been in Acts for 30 weeks y'all realize that? that's crazy feels like we're gonna be in there for a while longer Acts 15 verse 1 Some men came down from Judea. Remember, Paul and Barnabas had come from a missionary journey. They're in Antioch. They're coming back to tell everybody, this is what's been happening. This is what's been going on. Like, these are the people. The Gentiles are are starting to come to Christ. Like, it's not just about us Jews anymore. It's about everybody. It's about the dirty Gentiles because Jews look down on Gentiles. The word Gentile, it's just like, one step above racial epithet okay that's that's most of us in here, so men came down from Judea and began to teach the brothers and sisters, Eugelion, unless you are circumcised according to the custom prescribed by Moses, you cannot be saved. Gospel plus anything enters the church. it had been pure, it had been unfettered for a while. Jesus literally is just risen from the dead, very, very short tenure. He, he, a lot of the people in the church had seen him physically. A lot of them uh, leaders had seen him rise up into the sky, sits at the right hand of God the Father right now, praying for you, for me, for them. This is who he is. And all of a sudden it had been grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. Okay, sola de gloria. And then all of a sudden, yeah, but you know what? Here's the deal be gospeled, be about Jesus, and you need to do this thing. And heresy begins. If it wasn't circumcision, it would have been something else. Uh, some of the things that maybe we grew up with in and how many of y'all are churchies in here? means you were born in the church. Raise your hand, hell, high. Just be, we can be open and honest about it now. We're among friends, okay. Um, I was a churchy, which meant I wore very uncomfortable clothes, Went to a church had stained glass, which is beautiful. Sat in pews, whichever. Whenever you say that to a non-believer, they're like, you know, that's weird what you just said right now. That you sat in a pew. It was just an uncomfortable giant seat. My father was a pastor. He wore a robe. The choir sat behind him, which was a source of me staying awake because as I'm watching my dad and he would get boring, the choir folk were fighting sleeping themselves. And I'm like, watch oh, that old lady's about to go to sleep. Second row, third back. Okay, that, that was where we were raised. And it was um, a place of gospel. It was a place of awesomeness, but it was also a place of Legalism. Maybe back in the day, uh, worship music was a war that your church had. Like, really? They're fighting about music? Yeah. Should you sing hymns or should you sing with guitars? I'd never seen guitars in a church before until I moved to Texas. You bunch of heathens. Um, Maybe it was dress. Well, now in this church, all women wear dresses. Where does it say that in the Bible? But that's how some churches believe. Maybe it's the color of the carpet I've seen churches split before over the color of the carpet because red is obviously uh, the blood of Jesus and our carpet needs to be red or green because this grass and this were sheep, like whatever. Like all the things that people make much of is legalism. And the question that we really have to ask is, what, is our, what are our legalisms? What are we leaning into all the time? What is your go-to right now? Um that you tend to add gospel plus, well, my church needs to sing this kind of music. That's legalism, by the way. Well, you know, the pastor needs to be presented in a certain way or he needs to preach in a certain way, that's legalism. What I'm called to do is preach the gospel. What music is called to do is honor God. So we all, we all have our things. Uh, Paul and Barnabas had just spent a year discipling Antioch after their first missionary journey. What it says in the last part of 14 is they spent considerable time in Antioch. They didn't come back in and say, "Y'all good? Still loving Jesus?" Okay, we're going to go do the most important thing, which is missions. Scripture said they spent considerable time. Most theologians believe is like a year. So, is there a need to do mission work? It's very important, by the way. Can we agree on that? There's a need also for church care. That's very important as well, too. Either one neglected, the body is, is a, oh man, that rhymes, I didn't even mean that. Either one neglected, the body is affected. <laughs> <coughs> is my SBC coming out of me, I don't even mean to do that. But it's the truth. Either one of those are neglected, you suffer. So if you're not doing mission work and you're a church, it's a problem, it's a problem. You're a Christian club. If you're only about the local church and this is us and we're great, you become the frozen chosen very quickly. You're just among yourselves and nobody else and they don't get it and we're the church is getting it right. Both are important. So a church, we've talked about this before, grows as they go outward. So if we wanna be a healthy growing entity in Mission Church, we have to constantly be looking outward. And that's what our fifth and sixth grade class is like 17 kids in there right now, 15, I think. That's what our seventh through 12th is. That's not an inward, that's an outward focus. Uh, I want my kids to be in a place and I already one of them's past that age, but my two youngers, when they hit 18 and they go to college by God's grace, I don't want them to go, whew, finally done with Christianity, that was stupid. That was legalistic. I'm so tired. My parents did that in public, but how they were behind closed doors to different people. I want them to go, finally time to go to college and continue my walk with Christ because I love Jesus and Jesus loves me and my mom and dad love Jesus and they're legit followers of Christ and the adults I know in my church, they really love Jesus. That's, that's what I want for your kids. So when we do youth work we're not just trying to pacify you parents. We're trying to obey our Savior of loving people and sending them out. Verse 2, after Paul and Barnabas had engaged them in serious argument and debate, okay, now they're, uh, they're here. They've come down. Uh, there's an issue here. Paul and Barnabas and some others were appointed to go up to the apostles and elders in Jerusalem about this issue. This group of people are saying, yeah, we're for the gospel, but you, it must be gospel and short hair, no earrings. In this case, it was circumcision. Like if you do the circumcision thing, then you're a real Christian. You know, if you do the Beth Moore study, then you're a real godly woman. Or if you, you know, whatever thing you want to add to, it's, it's, on, it's only the gospel. It's only Jesus who saves, church. And it's all you have when you talk to people, when you finally earn the right from listening and really asking questions, when, you, when they finally go, well, I mean, tell me a little bit more about your church. Tell me a little bit more about what you believe. When you earn that right, all you have in that moment is Jesus Christ. So what is he doing in your life? How is he changing you? What's he calling you to? Who is he to you? How do you see him in scripture? Do you see him in the Old Testament? He's there. He appears actually several times in the Old Testament. Do you see him today? Is Jesus to you a religion of your childhood? Or is he a savior of your today? When when he is, when people finally ask you, it's like, let me just share from you the overflow. Like I'm experiencing it right now. Like I experienced this week, I was in a prison ministry with some of our, um, Travis Luce, uh, Mike Nunez, some of our leaders. We went to a local prison and got to love on inmates. And uh, man, all I had was to talk about Jesus with those men. And you know what? That's all they wanted me to talk about. It's a pretty big deal. Paul and Barnabas and some others were appointed to go to the apostles and elders in Jerusalem about this issue. So there's an issue, there's a in Antioch. They're like, y'all need to go to the mothership. Y'all need to go to the home base, to the home office and talk about this. So they sent them to Jerusalem, which was quite a trip. Like it was a month long journey to get down there. So the church sends Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem. Uh, The Judaizers spread lies. And and guess what? I've got news for you. If you do church the right way in your home, in your family, uh, in your workplace, in your church, liars are coming. If you don't, you really, you're being lied to already, and you don't even know it. But if you hold fast to the truth, the enemy's going to send some liars to Mission Church. Oh yeah, hey Matt, you guys are doing a great thing. I love your youth, and I love you know the elders. You know, blah, blah. but you know you really need to look into this. And the lie will just be slid in, okay? Judaizers spread lies. Gospel plus anything. Paul and Barnabas engage in argument and debate. Uh, We're gonna talk about that just for a second. The argument word right there means we have a different opinion. argument doesn't mean you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. That's not, the word right here in Greek means like, hey, I can love you and serve you and honor you, but I'm diametrically opposed to what you just said. Doesn't mean we have to fight. It just means there's a clarity of difference. And this is where, Right now, especially politically, we've lost our freaking minds on how to do that. Like, United States has to learn both sides or all five sides or whatever we have now, and how to say, I unequivocally disagree with your policy on that, willing to listen. I I diametrically am opposed to what you wanna do, um, but I'm willing to be a normal human about this and talk and visit. That's the word argument here. Stasis debate is this. The debate in Greek, right there, is not. Let's get up on two pedestals, and I have thirty seconds, and then you have thirty seconds, and whoever is the most funny and you know uh, quippy uh, and makes the other one look foolish, that's the one who wins. The debate here is the thesis. It literally means a seeking. So you you want to take your truth telling to the next level. Learn, conversa- learn how to frame conversations. Because right now, most of us just fall into an argument, and we've already allowed somebody that we may disagree with theologically to frame where we're going. Well, this is what we believe, and we enter into that space. As Christians, we need to learn with care and love to reframe the conversation and to move it to a different space, to focus on something different in our hard conversations with others, are we seeking answers? Or are we seeking to understand or just to be right? Christian, if you theologically have the answers, and I believe you do, I believe that Jesus is the only way and nobody goes to God but through Jesus Christ. I'll go to jail for that right now. I'll take a bullet for it right now. Okay? That is the truth. I believe we have that. I also believe that when you have a discussion with somebody, you can help them by the grace of God get to that place too, to where they recognize the fallacy of their own argument. How we do that is by asking questions, not making statements, earn that right. Everybody wants to be asked a question. Verse three, when they've been sent on their way by the church, so they're sent now from Antioch, they're headed down to Jerusalem to have this debate. They passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria. Samaria was a place that no Jews used to travel, Jesus' day. Now they're going right through it, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, those outside the Jewish church, if you will, and they brought great joy to all the brothers and sisters. When they arrived at Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church, the apostles, and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. Some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Oh, you sweet Pharisees. Do you realize that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the ruling governmental parties, Christians had been converted from all their ranks? The issue with the beginning of the church in Jerusalem on the Solomon's porch is as the, the, first, the first church, uh, Paul and the apostles were just sharing the truth and the beauty of the gospel. They were not relying on little acronyms or little quick ways to say things or rhymes or you know sleight of hand. They were just telling the truth. And the Holy Spirit was opening people's eyes and people were coming to Christ. Not only from normal folk like us, But also from the leaders, some of them that knew the whole Old Testament by heart. These men knew from Genesis to Malachi, and now they're listening to the gospel the first time, and they felt very proficient in prophecy, and they're being blown away. So you had had all of the ruling class, some of them come to Jesus, and this was some of them. Now, some of the Pharisees were very legalistic. They believed in doing a thousand extra biblical things that would really, gospel plus, they were gospel plus a thousand. And so, some of these, these men, in their really probably anxiety and fear, as they trusted Jesus and, and, and were by Scripture saved forever, eternally saved. A lot of times what new believers do is in moments of anxiety and fear, what do you default to? What you've always known. And legalism is what they've always known. And so what they wanted to do was to apply that legalism because maybe the Holy Spirit was growing them in a moment and calling them in a place of faith to step out and trust Him. And they're like, oh, I don't know if we can do that. What can we do? We can default to our legalistic ways. So I know that we were told it's Jesus alone, but I feel like I just need to do something for him right now. That's a really good thing, right? Like I'm gonna do something for him. God's like, yeah, I I want you to do things for me, but you can't take credit for your salvation. Like that's all mine. You can't can't take credit for that. Like I want you to love me in return because I've been loving you since before time began. But you can't say, because I'm circumcised, because I, you know, have memorized all this scripture, because I'm a great tither, because I'm all these things, Lord, this is, this is really, I mean, that's part of the reason why I'm saved. Can't do that. And that's the danger. Verse six, the apostles and the elders gathered to consider this matter. This is a pretty big deal. Jerusalem Council, you can read about this not only in the Bible, but also in in history. It's written about outside. The church in Antioch arranged for Paul, Barnabas, and the others to go probably together to Jerusalem. Uh, The others were followers, believers, who shared some doctrinal beliefs. Um, As they traveled, they stopped purposely to do what? To share um, with, with outlying missionary spots. Why? Because it was, it was very exciting to them that non-believers had become Christian. I mean, is this, is this something we're interested in today? Like, really, maybe, I mean, if not, I need to get a different job. But as a church, if we are really excited, like, I really want my my neighbor to come to Christ. I really want my mother to come to Christ. I really want my child to come to Christ. I really want these people. I just have a burden for this guy at the gym. I want him to come to Christ. I want him to know Jesus. If there is a real burden for that, then we're sharing the burden that our our Savior has for his elect. He's in the process of calling them. And when we had that, that phronio, the mind of Christ that Philippians talks about, We're coming under Christ's authority and now we're beginning to see things like he sees things and it's different. We see people differently. We're not worn down by the everyday. We're excited about the spiritual and what's happening and we begin to change our prayers in line with that desire. Paul and Barnabas were here. They had been given their whole life to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they had seen through the Holy Spirit power, a lot of people converted. So what did they want to do to those that had been converted? They wanted to tell them about other people that had been converted. When is the last time you've shared a story of somebody's conversion? When's the last time you've seen a conversion? When is the last time You've prayed, Lord, open my eyes that I might see the people that you are preparing all around me. Please let me be a part of it. Please, Lord, please let me be a part of it. Take everything else. The only, the only thing I want, I pray for consistently. The thing, one thing I pray for consistently. Slain and I are connected and we have a great marriage. She's not in here so I can talk about her we're fantastic, man. I love her so much. I just enjoy her. Um, We've been through deep waters. It's taken a while to get there for us. The only thing that I beg the Lord for all the time are the hearts of my children. Beg the Lord all the time. Late night, be in tears, begging the Lord, driving, begging the Lord. And what has happened is as I have begged the Lord for the hearts of my children. I'm begging the Lord also for the hearts of my children's husbands. And I'm also begging the Lord for the children of my children. But it doesn't stop there. It, like, it's, it's like it's going out in a wave to where now I am just, I beg the Lord for the hearts of people all the time when I see them. It's not like, oh, Lord, save that homeless person. They don't know what they're doing. It's more like, look at that that lady right there at the gym with her three kids. Lord, I pray in the name of your son, Jesus, that you would save her soul. And that you would either free her from the wealth that blinds her. Or you would free her from the pain that blinds her. Whatever it is. Church has to be lit on fire right now. First and foremost, for our families. But it never stops there. It always continues. Verse 7. Church sits down. They're debating whether or not it should be gospel plus nothing or gospel plus circumcision. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, remember Peter, our boy Pete, also named, called Simon, the dude that rebuked Jesus, the fisherman, him. Also wrote first and second Peter, if you think he's a simpleton, try to study those books. dude was complex. He's also a fighter. He's also not a really good shot with a sword. Uh, after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, "Brothers, you're aware that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by mouth the Gentiles would hear the gospel message and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit." just as he also did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now then, why are you testing God by putting a yoke on the disciples' necks that neither our ancestors nor we have been able to bear? Did you see how Peter framed that conversation? This outside, outside, this is an extra hack. This is free today. Do you see how he frames the conversation back to their calling and their responsibility and their history. Now then, why are you testing God by putting a yoke on their neck? On the contrary, we believe that we are saved to the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way they are. The framing of the conversation, again, is Peter is saying they're just like us. We're believing the same things, okay? Verse 12, the whole assembly became silent. And then listen to Paul, Barnabas and Paul describe all the signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. And Paul, Barnabas, the two uh, first first missionaries, stood up and spoke about: "This is what we've seen. This is what they're doing. This is how they're responding. This, they're speaking in tongues. They've seen healings. Their marriages are changed. Like this is they are they they've repented. They've come to Christ, just like just like we have been called to." Verse 14, Simon Peter has reported how God first intervened to take from the Gentiles a people for his name. And the words of the prophet agree with this. Oh, I'm sorry. Verse 13, after they had stopped speaking, James responded, who's James in this passage? It's Jesus' brother, one of his bros, okay? Uh, He had had four of them. He had several sisters too. Um, Simon has reported how God first interviewed. Brothers, listen to me. Peter has reported how God first intervened to take from the Gentiles a people for his name. And the words of the prophets agree with this as this, as it is written, after these things, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. I will rebuild its ruins and set it up again so that the rest of humanity may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, declares the Lord, who makes these things known from long ago. And here's where James takes a little bit of a, Authority and his leadership, he is one of the elders of the Jerusalem church, which is kind of by default like the head church, which I really think Antio- Antioch should have been because we see a ton of saints from our history come out of the church of Antioch. But Jerusalem, which is a dying church, by the way, James says this Therefore, in my judgment, we should not cause difficulties for these among the Gentiles who turn to God, but instead we should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols. From sexual immorality, from eating anything that has been strangled and from blood. So the decision is made. The Judaizers are put down. But what I want you guys to understand today is how were they put down? Were they just told from verse one? Y'all are stupid. Get out of here. It's dumb. They weren't. And they were, they were heretical. All right. So there's an opportunity for us to realize that There's much to be gleaned and learned from listening. Now we have the truth, we have the rock, but listen, you're not always called to just throw that rock at everybody. You're you're called to wait and love and care. My grandmother used to say you catch more flies with honey. So the decision is made, Peter's back on the scene, he gives the first speech, that's all we'll hear from him. Uh, Peter Ball, Paul, and Barnabas, and James speak. Here are the points we need to pay attention to. Now, this is just for those of you that we want to batten down what we're learning in Acts. Um, There's eight points of interest that we'll finish up with, and we'll call it a day. Peter says this, God made the decision to share the gospel with all people, Acts chapter 10. So You and I have no right to say, well, you know, why are we doing missions? It just needs to be about our people in San Antonio. You have no verses for that. The only verses that we have is that we're to go into all the world and preach gospel. Preach, teach, disciple. That's the mandate. It's not like us for no more type thing, okay? Um, We have to go out. Why are you planting more churches? Because that's the mandate, we're to go out. Okay, number two, Peter says this also, there is no distinction of calling among all people, which means that everyone should have a place in any church in the United States. And let me be clear about what that means. It means that all churches should not be all white. It also means that all churches should not be all black. It means that all churches should not be all Filipino are all Mexican, are all upper class, are all lower class, are all this person and not that person. It means that any organization in God's name, in Jesus' name, in the ecclesia that excludes any people group is racist. Any of them, okay? So what we're called to be is everybody come on in. This is what the early church was. It's the prettiest church, amen, it's the, the, it has the most resources, by the way. Amen? One, one, one group of people tends to have one group of thought. Fifteen different types of people. Okay, it can be a train wreck sometime. Let's be honest about that. But really, a lot of things get accomplished and self-righteousness gets trampled because we have to learn how to listen and connect. All right? And in the listening... We grow as wise people. So in a marriage, a good point for that would be husbands. Listen, you're called to be the leaders of your home. We're super clear about that. Not going Nancy around that. You are called to be the leader, which means that you're called to be the first servant. It does mean sometimes that you have to make a call on certain things. But listen, fellas, if you're not listening to your wife, you're a moron. You're not listening to somebody who has a different perspective than you and also has some intelligence. I mean, you married her, right? Maybe she doesn't have intelligence. She married you. I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? Like it's a different perspective and she's also a female and you're a male and she has a different outlook, a different connection. So for us to be wiser leaders in any vocation we're in, you must listen to your people To be a wiser husband, you must listen to your wife. To be a wiser wife, you must listen to your husband. There's no distinction of calling among all people. Everybody is welcome in the church. Peter says this, legalism is a yoke no one can bear. So whatever your thing is that you're constantly beginning to manufacture a little bit, hey, I sure like how this church is and it's avant-garde and it's young and it's fun, but they probably need to bring the volume down a little bit. Be careful. Be careful. They probably just need to watch what they wear a little bit. Be careful. We probably just need to do this more. Or, you know, you're the super cool, super awesome 27-year-old wondering why we don't do more things of your preference. That becomes your legalism. What we're called to be is say, man, people are different from me here. Amen. Music is different than what I've heard before. Amen. The word, though, is is ancient and true and how they love one another is exactly what we see in the first church of how they've been called to love each other there must be some goodness here i'll stay here number four peter says this we are saved only by the grace of jesus christ so say say that to yourself several times a day all right Today, I'm, I'm saved only by the grace of Jesus Christ. I'm eternally saved. I'm forever saved. He'll never let me go. But there's a lot of change that I need to make in order to be a better husband, better wife, better child, worker, boss, whatever. And so by the grace of Jesus, Lord, the one, you're the one that saved me. You're the one that's created me. It's only by your name change me. Number five, Paul and Barnabas says this, miracles and Holy Spirit power is among all people groups. You know, sometimes when our friends from Africa come, they have miracles to talk about. You know why they don't share them? Because you won't believe them. And it's not they're telling a lie. They've seen things that we've not seen, okay? God is working right now all the way around the world. We are not God's chosen people. We're not the Israelites, us Americans, all right? We're, a, we're one of many, we're one of hundreds of thousands of different people groups. And God doesn't love us especially. You know, this whole patriotism mindset sometimes goes into weird places where, and God is, you know, we're, 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 the, we're the land of God, like heck we are. We can take you to other countries where the gospel is more in motion than the United States right now. Some of our missionaries nod their heads right now. Like, yeah, it's true. So we are a part of a whole and the Holy Spirit is working all over the planet right now. And we get to be a part of that. Number six, um, I'm sorry, number seven, uh, references for Old Testament. You see Amos, here was a little quote that he really used. So the rest of humanity may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name. The argument for circumcision in this moment was, hey, this is what Jews are called to do. If they're going to be with us, they have to be a Jew. And what scripture says is that all the Gentiles who are called by my name, which means the church exploded long before the New Testament revelation. May the Lord continue to bless Mission Church. We're in a good place right now. May the Lord continue to bless his church. May he call you. May he uh, irritate you to open your Bible and to pray. May our words change. Lord, call us. Lord, burden my heart for your people. Lord, forgive me for complacency. And it is a sin. May the Lord just change us all for you. For his glory. And may you just have fantastic lunchtime today. Invite somebody to lunch, tip the waitress really, or the waiter really, really well, and then talk about Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Uh, Your word is is just beautiful and powerful, sharper than any two edged sword. Open our eyes that we might see you. Uh, Communion team, you can come on down. Lord, as we receive. Uh, This bread and this juice, we recognize it as symbolizing the body of Christ and your blood shed for the payment of our sins. Open our eyes that we might see. In your name we pray, amen. Church, stand up.